WDBM East Lansing. The impact. And now, Impact Explosion. Exposure gives a voice to our community and provides a forum for discussing the relevant issues of today. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, this is Impact Exposure. Manuel Berry, and you are listening to Impact Exposure, except for tonight it is sex exposure. A little delayed this week because of the election last week, but we are here tonight uh, to talk about sexuality, uh, talking a little bit about hookup culture, uh, maybe throwing in some sexuality and spirituality there, as well as a plethora of other issues. Um, today I am joined by three wonderful guests. Uh, why don't you guys take, take the time to introduce yourselves? Uh, my name is Kevin Bader. I'm a health educator over at Olin Health Center with uh, Michigan State University Student Health Services. Hi, all. My name is Janelle Marie. I run the STD Project, which is a website geared toward eradicating the stigma surrounding STDs via education and storytelling, as well as resource recommendations. Hello, this is Dr. D, and it's great to be here. I know that uh, uh, we are in competition with the uh, uh, Spartan basketball team, but we're hoping that you will all <laughs> listen to Sex Exposure. And we have uh, uh, our guest tonight is Dr. John Lee, but uh, he's walking in the door as yep. we speak. Live radio uh, here. Uh, I say he's limping into the, the <laughs> station because he's, he's been nice enough to come and, and talk to us about spirituality and sexuality. But, John, you, you just had surgery last week, didn't you? <laughs> I had knee surgery. A torn meniscus, a lateral meniscus. I've torn my, right my meniscus twice. <laughs> you know, Have you had know. surgery? Yes, twice. <laughs> how long will it be before I can you know, like, play first, basketball? The first time was three months. Uh, oh, the second really? time I wasn't going to play basketball anymore, so they were like, don't worry about it. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's a, well... Hopefully, a swift recovery for you, swifter than mine. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, go ahead and introduce yourselves. Uh, introduce yourself uh, for okay. this exposure tonight. Yeah, my name is John Lee. I'm a psychologist, and I work at the MSU Counseling Center. And I've known John a long time, so we, we can probably change the name of the show tonight to uh, Knee Exposure yes. and talk about meniscus and yeah, ACLs. Right. Yeah, sex is up. Yeah, I chose not to stay awake during the operation. That was one of the options. You could actually just, wow. they do a spinal block. You can watch the TV, right? Because they go in there with a camera, right? Mm -hmm. no. Yeah. yeah, not for me. But I chose to go out. So yeah. Wait, 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 wait. You... Yeah, the I know. person I've known for, what, 15 know. years chose not to see the visual of being cut and diced and sliced? John, as I don't know. As long as I couldn't feel it, I think that'd be all right. Right. You know? yeah. like, oh, what what are we talking about? Be like watching television, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he told me, be like watching television. But, huh. Yeah. He took, took a nap. nap. I took a nap. <laughs> well, I, I've known John for a long time, and, and I have uh, the utmost respect. We've worked in Thank many you. different capacities and parent orientation stuff, and... Uh, I discovered John long time ago had this interest in sexuality and spirituality yes. and religion. And, and John's been a, a frequent guest in my uh, class here at MSU as well as at LCC in the sexuality. And, and, uh, uh, and so, you know, we've, we've had John on last year. And, 
And I told John he has to tone it down because <laughs> when, we, when we get John going, he tends to just, ooh, he goes. And man. I'll rebuttal and say don't because yeah, okay. I enjoyed it oh, okay. last year. I, I told somebody I, I didn't even remember speaking because I was listening to so uh, uh, That's cool. Well, John, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into kind of these things, which some people would say are are very separate and and different. Yeah, (laughs) but yeah, right. Yeah, but but before you start, we want we want you. uh, We're going to offer you a chance to call in. Yes. And we yes. do have prize packs tonight because we have some questions. Cool. And, yeah. And the and I was on the way over here, Kevin. I was thinking, <laughs> we got to up the prize. Up the prize. We got to up the complimentary prize for calling in. So I heard complaints it, about the the condoms not being enough. Oh, wow. <laughs> not enough condoms or that. not yeah. enough? Not being we offer not enough. enough? <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute, not enough condoms, condoms or not enough <laughs> different products with it? I think just look at not enough condoms. Okay. Good answer. So now you help me here and John, you know. Yeah. If the average college student who is in a, let's say, monogamous relationship, how often do you think they have intercourse per week? At least once, I would say minimal, and there are 52 weeks in the year, so even oh, with Janelle, that... Oh, Janelle, come on, come on. <laughs> I'd say three times a week. Yeah, I would say, Janelle, you're, you're about one three third times a week. <laughs> so, so, so we'll give them a semester's worth of condoms if they call, because three times 16 is what? Oh, gosh, math, really? Yeah. <laughs> no, 47, 40 48. Okay, we'll give you yeah. 50 condoms. Semester's worth of condoms. <laughs> now, Erica's going to flip out if she's listening, but we'll give you, if, if you call in tonight, we'll give you complimentary a semester's worth of condoms if you are a sexually active, uh, protected individual. Fifty. Uh, yeah, okay. sure. And, that, uh, and the number is. And the, the number is five one seven four three two three eight nine three. Once again, that's five one seven four three two three eight nine three. Or just call in if you just want to chat. If you hear something uh, that strikes your interest and want to comment, feel free to give us a ring. We're going to give you the question of the day in a minute here, but John, please tell us. Yeah. I love the story of how you got involved in this. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, my first career was as a teacher. So I uh, was teaching at Calvin College in my introductory psych class, uh, last, some, last lecture of the class, I would do on romance you know, and dating and all that kind of stuff. And it naturally evolved into discussions around sex. Now, some of you know something about Calvin College. It's a pr- pretty conservative religious college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it was always packed. I mean, people would show up for that introductory psych class who weren't even members of the class, right? I mean, it was just packed out because, you know, here's this... You know, Chinese American <laughs> psychologist <laughs> addressing sexuality. <laughs> so you know, it's, and, and you know, as a psychologist, you could say words like penis and masturbation and stuff like that, right? So at Calvin, you could get away with that if you were a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But then there's this other, you know, sort of weird thing about, you know, geez, he, he's not even Dutch. You know, there's something about what's this going to happen, right? <laughs> so that evolved into actually doing pre-marriage classes at a church that I was attending. Right? Hmm. Again, helping couples understand sexuality. Because when you grow up in a conservative Christian environment, most conservative Christian environments, there's this old joke, right? <laughs> it only <laughs> took you five minutes. Yeah, to no, it's this old joke. <laughs> you know, if sex is so bad, why do we save it for marriage? And the answer yeah. is, of course you save it for marriage if it's so bad. But, but, but yeah, conservative Christian environments, there's all this judgment, right? There's all this stuff. I mean, I, I'm a counselor, right? I've had clients who are just suffering under enormous weights of guilt around masturbation. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, I'm serious. Serious guilt and depression, mm-hmm. right? I'm not just talking, you know, cutesy kinds of stuff like right. I feel badly, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, talking years of wrestling with that, right? Mm-hmm. And I can remember as a young man going to a Christian college, going to the dean of the college, 
And I said, I want to talk about masturbation, man. Because I was suffering some same sort of feelings, right? Mm -hmm. And the dean of the college said to me, well, John, you know this. Another joke. (laughs) (laughs) 99% of all men masturbate, the other 1% lie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had a good teacher, right? We had an honest, authentic conversation around masturbation and the healthy nature of masturbation in a Christian college, right? It's great. Yeah, it's great. It's Mm -hmm. great. Because I don't think that could have occurred in the classroom, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, because there's all this kind of conservative stuff around that somehow it should only be reserved for marriage and it's bad mm-hmm. but it's such a beautiful thing right, right. i mean just and christians think. masturbate just as much as everyone else so they're just really? <laughs> <laughs> surprise <laughs> oh my God. yes that's yeah. right surprise yeah. john you haven't yeah. mentioned l yet have you actually yeah, yeah thank you very much you're yeah. a christian uh, yeah. yes <laughs> what's the next question right no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but but uh and then that evolved into coming you know when i left uh that position, I came out to Michigan State, I'm in the counseling center, and Dennis and I are doing these wonderful things um, in parent orientation. And, and Dennis, just a compliment. I mean, one of the reasons I enjoy doing this, and Kevin, thank you for the invitation again, mm-hmm. is that I mean, I'm sitting at this table and I feel like we can be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That there's a sense of authenticity around my relationship with Dennis, and now Kevin, I've gotten to know you better. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is what you need to have healthy right. conversations about everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we would have healthy conversations about students coming to MSU and the orientation. And then Dennis got the nerve to say, hey, John, I teach the psychology of sex class at LCC. Or I don't remember the name of the class. That was it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. You want to come talk? I said, sure. So we did that, what, maybe five, six years in a row? Oh, yeah, more than that, my right. friend. But that, that really helped me articulate what was going through my mind in terms of taking what I consider to be a healthy view of sexuality. Right, that could encompass one's spirituality. Mm-hmm. Well, let me yeah. let me read this quote that John, you've always said. <laughs> I love it. And 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 I uh, encourage our our uh, listeners to call in. The question would be, how has religion influenced or affected your sexuality? But here's the quote you always, John, you've said many times. <laughs> so you want to know something about God? Good news, it's all about sex. So you want to know something about sex? Good news, it's all about God. <laughs> now, player, yeah. if that phone doesn't ring off the hook, right. <laughs> you, want, you want to talk about that a bit? Because, you know, yeah. you've yeah. enthralled not only Kevin, as Kevin said today. today right. I just, right. I didn't say a word last time John was on because I was just listening. <laughs> but you've enthralled the class about how you draw these connections with spirituality and right. sexuality. Right. And, and the number to call is, one more time, 517-432-3893. And you will get a complimentary... Uh, Selection plus condoms. of <laughs> condoms for a semester. A year supply. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, part of it's shock value. I love playing with words. But okay. another part of it, I'm very serious in the sense that we're just dealing with words here to describe experiences, right? And I believe that sexuality and spirituality are touching the same experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, sexuality, a yearning for uh, union, physical union with another person. I mean, all the dimensions of erotic passion and being aroused by the human body. I mean, all that is is very much healthy dimensions of our experience, right? Sexuality, right? Uh, But spirituality, I argue, is the same thing, only it's not just physical. It's spiritual, right? And so it's about becoming really intimate with somebody. I mean, the classic says is you could have physical sex, but it's so much better when you really know the person well. When it has mm-hmm. intimacy. When it there's intimacy. intimacy. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I mean, you know, and I'm not trying to endorse, you know, you know, uh, 
physical sex without any relationship. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I do I do believe that, you know, casual sex can be casual sex. But ultimately, given what I'm trying to say is that you're playing with some very important dimensions of yourself, mm -hmm. which is your being, right? You're mm -hmm. yearning for oneness, right? So, you know, I don't think anybody's going to go to hell for having casual sex. I don't think that's, <laughs> that's not the issue. I'm not trying to be religious here. Well, that brings right. up the question, religious <laughs> yeah. and spiritual. Right. Are they, are, they this, are they the same thing? No, nah, I really think you've got to draw a distinction. I think mm -hmm. there's a lot of religious people who aren't spiritual at all. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of spiritual people who aren't religious at all. Right. That I think it's you have to think point. of them as they can overlap, but they're not necessarily related to one another. Mm -hmm. um, on a good day, religion encourages spirituality. Yeah, I think when it's healthy, they do overlap very yes. much. And yes. that's when you meet people who really inspire you, who are not judgmental, but have that solid yes. understanding mm -hmm. of their own spirituality and religion. Yes. And then that reflects, you know, they reflect that upon you that makes you interested in talking to them, just like you, like well Kevin stated. being interested in hearing what you have to say, John. It well seems stated. like you're comfortable with your religion, sexuality, spirituality, and they become right. almost one, even though there still is a definition in between the three. Yes, mm -hmm. good point. John, this yearning, this yearning you've talked about and over the years, it's, it's intriguing me, this yearning for a connection, this yearning for wholeness, this yearning of bringing two together, because you hear this, if you were to strip off the the uh, designation that whether we're talking about sexuality or spirituality, sometimes you wouldn't know which one you were talking about. Right. Because when you when you listen to spiritual individuals or even religious individuals talk about, yeah. they yearn for this wholeness, this right. oneness with God. That's right. It's mm -hmm. the same type of dialogue you would have necessarily right. when you're talking about a sexual relationship. Yeah. And let me jump on the phrase you, this oneness with God. What I would argue is just oneness with another. Yes. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be some sort of being that you create sort of doctrines around. So another way to think about it is that you can always say spiritual is very closely related, if not similar, or the same as relational. Mm -hmm. right? that, that, that relational intimacy, right? Now, I think the, the, the construction of a God or a being outside of ourselves plays a lot of different roles in religion, mm -hmm. not necessarily spirituality. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of spiritual people who don't believe in a God, right? Right. right? Mm -hmm. uh, I hope the phones are going to ring off the <laughs> <Yeah, right>. <laughs> <laughs> Because it has to do with that, that sense of wholeness, and it doesn't have to be the creation of something outside of yourself, right? Now, I, now I do believe people experience that, right? That people do have that kind of oneness with a being that they believe in and all the rest of that kind of stuff, right? But I would argue those same people probably have that experience with a real person, too. Otherwise, they wouldn't know what that's about. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Right? right. And, and then some of the unhealthy religiosity is when you do create a relationship with something outside of yourself, when you don't have a relationship with anybody else. Right. Right? I mean, that's the whole, whole thing. Is it, and a, you, you talk the words, a, but you don't walk the walk, right? Right. Yeah. Nor do they have a healthy relationship with themselves. I think Good when point. that happens... That's where those those individuals are prone to feeling guilty about yes. masturbation. There you go. About what they're doing, oh, so they can well lead done. separate lives. Even mm -hmm. there's that yes. dual um, duplicity. Yeah, that's right. You know, in to terms be secretive, of secretive, yeah, closeted, and keep it very deep. She, she because... Write the book, man. <laughs> <laughs> She's in the middle of the book right now. I, I am. Yeah. Wow, this is you. Um, relationships, yes. I run the STD project, and oh. the book is uh, the Relationship Survival Guide to Living with an STD. Yes. So there's a lot of that. Interestingly enough, I was cast out of the church um, after yeah. I had contracted an STD when I was 16. Oh, boy. 
um, sent home from a youth group trip for kissing a boy. Oh, and, um, oh, it was traumatizing at the time. And there yeah. were years about that I couldn't talk about the experience without breaking down into complete tears oh, and not being able to even finish completing telling the story. Yeah. But that did. And, and understandably so, it really affected my opinion yeah. on religion and yeah. spirituality, how I wanted to identify myself. Right. And for a while, I shied away from all of that. But right. since that's been, you know, 14 years now, uh-huh. I've really come full circle, I feel, and have, have been able to say, okay, that was someone, like you said, right. who those were people who were just focused on the religion aspect. And I don't right. think they had that full no. spirituality in which that judgment was happening. Mm-hmm. And, and, right. and I think that if they took a close look at themselves, too, that there would have been large disconnects. And that's why right. my sexuality, even me kissing a boy and sending me home right. for some, for, you know, an right. act that seems kind of simple right. for some people, you know, yeah. that was seen as such a big issue to them. So, yeah, yeah. it's fascinating to Thanks me as well. Yeah. What happened to the boy? <laughs> he was a Marine. And oh, okay. So, he wasn't part of the youth group. No, wasn't okay. part of the youth group, which right. was also, I had broken two rules. I had, um, there was no public display of affection allowed on the youth group trip. It was a week-long trip to Myrtle yeah. Beach, as well as um, I had walked away. My friend and I had met these two Marines, and we walked down the beach, and you weren't supposed to be with another, a male-female, wow. without being supervised. So wow. I'd broken two rules. There was a lot of talk with the deacons. Mm-hmm. My parents begged for me to stay. Um, I was distraught. It took four days. I had to apologize in front of the, all of my peers in the youth <gasps> oh group, goodness, 60 students. Oh, it was it was really horrible and yeah. was, you know, really impacted. But I think in a sense, I can look back on it now and say, I actually appreciate that because I may have gotten lost in just the religion aspect and okay. not have had an opportunity to open well, my mind saying. to the difference yeah. and to say, okay, to really look back and digest right. what really happened is it, do I blame the individuals? Do I blame the organization? And none of that I can 100% do, do either. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, I've been able to pick it apart yeah. years following, but there was a certain, there was certainly some years after that, especially right. in high school. High school is so hard on kids in general. Yeah, so, right. so for that to have happened at that really yeah. monumental time. Yeah was a big deal. Well, you can see why well, I liked you now. She's a rule breaker. So she is. But, John, you know, uh, you've talked about this in ways that seem to draw uh, similarities between the two. And I know that uh, we've had our share of, of uh, detractors over the years who've said, how dare you bring a similarity between sexuality and, and spirituality. And I see that smile on your face, and we do have a police escort outside. <laughs> In case you need protection. <laughs> Talk a little bit more about that, because we've talked everything yeah. about from the Song of Solomon and, and the erotic nature right. of some of the oh, yeah. writings mm-hmm. out there. And, and you know, and yeah. Kevin said this morning, he said, Le Pete, Le, how's it go? Le Petite Mall. Le Petite Mall. I just loved it. I've yeah. stuck with me ever since. Talk yeah. a little bit more about kind of similarities and how do you, do you, yeah. how you become erotic with your God? Right? Oh yeah, callers, yeah. come on in. Yeah. I know. If you want to, you want to comment five one seven four three two three eight nine three is the number talking sexuality and uh, spirituality here yeah. on Sex Exposure today. Yeah, yeah. one one of the real unfortunate series of events in the history of Christianity was that the New Testament was written in Greek. Now, the ethnocentrically phrased Old Testament, which is the Jewish scriptures, mm-hmm. right, is an Eastern tradition, religious tradition, right, that doesn't make a firm separation 
that the Greeks do between the mind and the body and the spirit. Right? So you can have this kind of erotic literature in the Jewish scriptures, right? And the, the, the Christians will immediately sort of, you know, metaphorize it and talk like, well, it's just a spiritual analogy. No, I think it's really teaching something about what well, I means is religious literature, right? Mm-hmm. And religion's about morals and all that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It's really saying something about the body is something special. And, and the attraction you feel, right, uh, between people is something very special. So the erotic literature, I remember when I did this course at this, you know, very conservative Christian church, I would say, let's open your Bibles, emphasizing this is your Christian Bible, right? Mm-hmm. And let's go to the Song of Solomon, and let's read for what it really is, you know? And it, it, I mean, it is really erotic literature, right? And what I think is going on there is that there's this real sort of lack of separation between body, mind, and spirit in some of that old uh, spiritual literature, that when you adopt a Greek philosophy, Greeks were heavily dualistic. What that means is they separate the body from the spirit. So the spirit becomes special and the mm-hmm. body becomes evil, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how you get that sort of immediate thing. Don't equate the two because spirituality right. is good and sexuality is bad, as if the body is bad, which is so absurd when you look at Jewish scriptures. But that's also true of other religious scriptures as well, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, sure. it's a very, very, I, I like to say this, that Christians are more Greek than they are anything else. American Christians. And what I mean by that is that they're heavily influenced by Greek philosophy. One of my colleagues wrote a book called, you know, From Jerusalem to Athens. And his point was, right, moving from a Jewish kind of worldview to a Greek worldview really did a lot of different things. And one of the things is it messed up the view of ourselves. Mm -hmm. We really start to judge one aspect of ourselves, which is such an integral part of ourselves, which is our bodies. Right. And you're supposed to, a lot of the scripture also says to treat your body as a temple. Mm -hmm. And then when you think about the scientific benefits of sexual activity, the actual chemicals that are healthy for you and that are elicited when you engage in touch. And so just basic activities like touch and and human relationships. And then when you start to even add more sexual activities, there's even more that that's been documented and categorized. And all of those things are phenomenal and really good for the body. So then when you if you think that, yes, you're treating yourself as a temple, doing those things in a healthy way, right. and then, you know, you can com- conversate about what really is that then, that healthy way, right. but then it shouldn't necessarily be guilt-laden. Right, right, wonderful. So where, where, where did, where did, uh, where did the separation happen, John, that religion became, I mean, even contemporary, yeah. we talk, uh, religion uh, just basically these days, I mean, if you follow the elections and the conservative stuff, that religion's played this important part of trying to hold down everything from gay marriage to women's rights to to everything like that. So where where did the separation occur that we took the the body from the mind and and made the body like you always said, sex is sex is evil. Save it for someone you love. (laughs) That's kind of been the concept. Uh, So where did it go wrong? Yeah. Uh, there's another in the history of Christianity. Some of the scholars would say that the, the success, quote unquote, of Christianity was its demise, and, and that's the. And again, I'm only speaking from my own sort of very limited experience around understanding Christian history. Um, Constantinople was when the the church basically said, "Now you have to be Christian, right?" Mm-hmm. And so, so instead of killing Christians in the in the Colosseum, right? Now it became part of the nation to be a Christian. But there was a lot of economics around that, right? It wasn't just the success. It was that as the church gained wealth, as it gained power, right? As it, then it became more about control mm-hmm. than spirituality. Mm-hmm. Right. It became more about maintaining 
society, you know, and keeping everything sort of in order uh, rather than, I mean, Dennis, you even told me, you know, the, the old idea of priests being celibate mm-hmm. wasn't originally the idea. Yeah, yeah it was I mean, it was uh, basically ec- economically driven that we didn't, church didn't want to have to pay for a family, right? right. It was cheaper to keep care of single guys. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is so interesting. So you, you, you factor in money and power mm-hmm. to any institution and things start to go awry. And what's the what's religion mean? What's the root? Of yeah, the root the root is to connect, right? To connect. To, oh, so yes. Yeah, religiosity is to connect, and when you think about it, at its best, is connecting people with one another mm-hmm. and to a sense of of oneself beyond itself. Now, this whole the petite mort. I want to jump in that. Real yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> because le petite mort is the French phrase for an orgasm, right? And it uh, translated means the small death. <laughs> and I think you know Woody Allen makes a lot of funny of this when he, in his French films and stuff like that, right? Because yeah. he's he's sort of he really does a good job of sort of people put all this energy into sex and then it's overrated, right? It's just sort of like, jeez, you know, because <laughs> orgasm is wonderful, but it doesn't last very long, right? Yeah, so, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so we do all this stuff to try to extend it, you know, and make it mm-hmm. different positions, you know, mm-hmm. and we do all this kind of stuff. But ultimately, right, it just it's temporary. Mm-hmm. Right? So what I think spirituality, and here's where I'd make a separation, right, really tries to point to that level of union that isn't just momentary. Mm-hmm. That there's a sense of walking around and being in the world where you feel connected with everything and everyone in a way that puts you in a place where, where I mean, and certainly we look at some of the, you know, Gandhi and King and some of the spiritual leaders, right? Uh, those people, when you were in their presence, you sensed that they were connected they weren't about moral judgment mm-hmm. or blaming or mm-hmm. fighting or creating. They were about making connections, right, to ourselves, to one another, to creation, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's really beyond sex now, right? That, right. But, but it, it's certainly closely related. Mm-hmm. China, are you somewhat saying in some words, though, because every time I listen to you, I, I have new thoughts about right. how to... <laughs> How to translate this? Are you saying that when somebody when somebody looks for that sexual union and gets that that momentary yeah you got it orgasm that that's what you can get if you have this connection spiritually with well, everybody in the world that you point, feel that way all the time? It's pointing yes. It's sort of like hey, it's tantalizing. You. It's sort of saying this is <laughs> this what, is what it could be, but don't mistake this for the reality. Okay, right? Because the 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 the, the, the symbol the physical sexual intercourse and the orgasm is simply a symbol of, of so much more. Mm-hmm. But didn't you once say, say in class, and I love it, you said, <laughs> why do most people when they have an orgasm say, oh my God. Oh my <laughs> you God. said that. It wasn't yeah. me. <laughs> oh, it was me. You are blaming on me. That was yeah. right. You're oh, okay. That's right. Oh my God. Oh my exactly. God. Well, we have a caller on the line. Oh, um, so let's see who got here. Hope Hi. it's not my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sexposure. Who do we have on the line? How's it going? Uh, my name's Eric. Hey, Hi, Eric. Eric. Are you just calling for the prize pack, or? <laughs> uh, no, I, you know, I, uh, you know, I just got in my car and I was listening to the radio on the way, so I uh, been listening in for the last fifteen minutes or so. And uh, no, I don't know. I mean, I just found this, found this topic very, very interesting. I feel like you guys have brought up a lot of really good points. Um, but I just wanted to, you know, kind of ask you about, you know, you've been talking about obviously religion and spirituality, and you know, kind of the role that religion plays in sexuality, and you know, how. My opinion: I'm not a very religious person at all. And sometimes I find it hard to, I guess, agree with certain people's points of view, maybe on, you know, saving yourself to marriage and that sort of thing. You know, kind of having religion almost dictate your sexuality. You know, do you, mm-hmm. do you think okay. that, you know, 
maybe religion is kind of you know, kind of has this old world view of sexuality, and that that's kind of you know I, I just feel a lot of those views are kind of outdated. Right. Well, um, sex definitely. I mean. I think is a, the culture frames it as it's sex is that dirty word, and even in religion, sex is a dirty word. Like you said, save it for the one you love. <laughs> um, but I think I think even going into your story about when you were uh, Janelle, when you were in uh, your your retreat and yeah. you had got sent home, mm-hmm. um, you were alone with a, a guy. Mm-hmm. And I think even specific to women, and not to not to generalize just to women, but like women. I feel like aren't allowed to be lustful or yeah. lusty. It's, I think it's looked down for. And as an example, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where you're going back to what you said to control people. Like mm-hmm. you have this 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 whole powerful thing that makes you feel this way, um, but don't get out of control with it. And I think religion has that that kind of control mindset where it's going to be like, well, we don't want people to get out of control. So yeah, we don't want people to do these certain things because of what we were taught and brought up with as well. So I think that that religion actually and religious documents in the bible are very spiritual and can be very beautiful but it's when people take them and use them for the control purposes that's when they go in the wrong direction well, and i think that's when it hurts people let me ask you janelle and, and eric thank you for calling in because you bring up a, a, a very interesting point why is it that religion needs to control sexuality as a group as an individual why is it John, why do you think it is that religion needs to control? That might be a dark question, but I'm not sure it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to take almost a Marxist perspective on this, in that when you put a group of people together, <laughs> things can get out of control. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just happens, right? And that's what we're really afraid of, anarchy and all this other kinds of stuff, right? But, but that, that I think that comes from a perspective, right, that really doesn't trust yourself or be aware of yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that back to your own self. So so yeah. at one point in time, you know, not having premarital sex and all other kinds of stuff maybe served a really good function for right. a society, mm-hmm. right? That was concerned about how many mouths we got to feed, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And how what if if the family's an economic unit cuz we're farming, mm-hmm. right? If you've got multiple uh, if I've got multiple kids all over the place, right, what mm-hmm. does that do in terms of the structure of the society? So, so I think the, the economics and the religion get real close together at that point, where now sort of the, you know, how we're going to function as a society now starts to bring in sort of this, well, it's not just us that's saying this, now God is saying this, mm-hmm. right? right? And, and so now the religious component. spokespersons starts to dictate, I love the phrase Eric used, starts right. to dictate one's personal behavior to sustain an economic order. Mm-hmm. Right, so so that kind of thing. Now, so when you look at it from that aspect, it's not necessarily just all bad. It's just that right. it made sense from that perspective. But we don't live in any agricultural rural economy anymore, mm-hmm. where the family is the economic unit, right? So yeah, and we've got all kinds of ways to deal with, you know, pregnancy. We got protection. We got condoms, right? I and mean, we've had them all the time. Right. <laughs> but but really, we've got a different type of society where we can sort of. I mean, I'd love to be able to say, instead of religion dictating, why doesn't religion or the church? Educate. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. right. There are some programs. There are some yes. churches starting to take on, instead of the abstinence-only approach, sex education. Good They're welcoming yeah. some actual holistic, thorough education, oh. which really teaches you about safer sex practices. Right. But that's few and far between. I, I think say. that would be... It would, I would just love to see that happen all over right. the place. Right, and I feel like a lot of those programs, and maybe I'm just hearing only specific ones, they uh, they opt 
uh, that you can opt out of it. If you, as a yeah. parent, oh. want to have your True. child opt out of it, yes. kind of even within the education system, you can take a class, but there's a certain segment that you, you as a parent, can say, "I don't want my child." To well, there, there's right. there's always been some more progressive uh, arms of religious organizations out there, but they're still far and few between yeah. in the damage that can be done by the, as Eric said dictating of what you should or should not be because religion also dictates to a lot of different populations asexuality mm -hmm. which means you have no sexuality uh, religion has in many ways yeah, i can Good name point. all kinds of populations from uh the elderly to the disabled to sure. younger uh, uh to kids everybody has a sexuality but religion eric uh by the way you're yeah. going to get a complimentary pack of 50 <laughs> condoms plus i have oh, one great. question i have one question for yes. you, uh, do you think do you think of yourself as a spiritual person? You said you don't really feel religious, but do you think of yourself as a spiritual person? And how does that affect how you connect with somebody? Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I definitely would say I am. I mean, like to to um, go with John's point earlier when he said, you know, you don't necessarily have to be religious to be spiritual. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think that's absolutely true. I. I you know, I find—I guess I don't know—I can't necessarily pinpoint any specific examples, but um, yeah, no, I, I would definitely say I'm pretty in touch with myself. Um, you know, whether that's through um, sexuality or you know, even you know, even music or um, just kind of the you know, muses that you kind of become in touch with um, through your spirit. Mm -hmm. in, that, in that in that sense, I am. Yeah. Here's a nice definition, Eric, to, to wrap your mind around for the sense of spirituality. The root of the word spirit is breath. Right? So it's yeah. being in touch with your breathing. And I don't just mean that in a meditational sense. It's being in touch with life itself. Life, yeah. So mm -hmm. being aware of one's thoughts, one's feelings, being willing to accept, to, to acknowledge them, to name them, to name one's experience, to embrace life, to embrace breath. See, see what I'm doing there? Because yeah. it's, so often we will define spirituality as religious activity. Mm -hmm. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to, you know, when, I def when I talk about spirituality now, I'm talking about one's embracing of life, of breath, of, right. of, of one's own experience, one's relationships. And it, it, and it may have something to do with whether you do something on Sunday or Saturday or Wednesday night, but it doesn't have to. Right. Right. Well, Eric, thank you yeah, for and I, I think Yeah, I think, that's a, I think that's a great definition. I think very accurate, and I, can, uh, yeah. I definitely can relate with that. Keep breathing. <laughs> no, I'm serious, Because when you yeah. think about it, people who are scared, we, you know, we do these physical studies on people who are scared, right? Mm -hmm. Think short breaths. Right. They're mm -hmm. not fully breathing. Right. And, and I mean, the advice is so holistic in nature to keep breathing in so many ways. And I have, to tell, I have to tell you from, from an anthroposophist standpoint, and you know that at that, that one time I studied anthroposophy, which is the anthropological study of philosophy, and stripping off all the dogmas and rights of religion, you actually realize that what religion was supposed to be about is that we all are one. We are all God. So I have to tell you, I freaked out the Wells Hall preacher one day. The Wells Hall preacher was... The Wells Hall preacher, I was walking by one day, and he, he said, you know, God wants this and God wants that. And I walked up to him and I said, hi, I'm God. <laughs> I said, what is it that you think I want? And just freaked him out. Just but what I'm saying is that it's all about, and this connection that we're talking about, is all about being one. You know, I always say that some of the best teaching and education out there was done by Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. 
the Borg. Yes. The Borg and the collective consciousness oh, sure. that you're all one yeah. and you all become one, except there wasn't no individuality within that one. No, I didn't like the but, Borg for that reason. But, but, but the Borg was all about this yeah. collectiveness. You were all part of one, and whatever you did affected everyone. So yeah. it was, you know, it's interesting. But tell you us know, a little I got, bit I more. I bounce off of that recently because this just happened to be three or four months ago. I'd never done it before. Uh, I'm at a college, it's a religious college. They asked me to close in prayer. They meaning about uh, 10 people in a room. Okay? And I said, I'm going to try something new, and I, what I might do might actually offend some of you, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because you've got to know me over, I did something with them for two days. You've got to know my spirit, you know, that I'm trying to be authentic about what we're doing here. What I did, it, uh, Dennis, is I went around and looked each person in the eye. And I said, thank you for being God for me today. Thank you for being God for me today. Thank you for being, and I'm doing this right now on the radio station, mm -hmm. for being God for me today. Thank you, Kevin, for being God to me today. Did they flip out? Or yeah, what? well, <laughs> they, they could because I was closing in prayer. Oh, okay. yeah, but speak. later on, someone said to me, I didn't know what the heck you were doing there, John. Because right? in that kind of context, it was very heretical. To actually, but it's not. It, it, some of you who are it's Christians, not. if we're all God's children, that, well, we're and all the whole part. idea of the presence of God in, right. in, in our and midst, everyone. right? It's very, mm -hmm. very doctrinal yeah. sound. Yeah. But it, we don't like to get to that level of acknowledging that yeah. God in another person, mm -hmm. God in me. I mean, that, that's scary. Because, because that it, makes us feel bad about oh, how we treat others. If we're right. acknowledging that God's in, all, in other people, and then um, how we're treating mm -hmm. others, how we're treating ourselves and our bodies, right. back yeah. to that sexuality. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure I want to bring you to the whole concept of communion. <laughs> <laughs> we, oh, we know where that's gone in the past. Oh, but, yes. But yeah. I, I guess, not, and I pose this to Janelle and Emmanuel and, and Kevin. So, so listening to what you say, so how would you describe a healthy sexuality and a healthy spirituality. What are the elements of a healthy sexuality? What are the elements of a healthy, you know, uh, spirituality? Yeah. And how do you... Uh, so let's contrast. Unhealthy okay. would be, there's a sense, as Janelle mentioned earlier, sort of this double private life, secretive kind of thing, where mm -hmm. one isn't really open to one's experience. One is guilty about something. One mm -hmm. hasn't talked about what's really going on in one's life and experience. Yeah, and it doesn't truth. mean people can't do bad things. Mm -hmm. You know, guilt is real. Mm -hmm. so, but, Even authentic but, but you're not, you may But be, you're not admitting it. You're, right. not, you're, not, you're not sort of exploring it, right? Um, unhealthy sexuality, spirituality is you're using others. Rather than being in relationship, you're somehow you know, manipulating, exploiting, harming other people mm -hmm. to, to meet your own sort of, sort of addictions or needs, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and you avoid the truth. You avoid uh, speaking the truth about what's going on in one's relationship. And likely you don't have anybody who really deeply cares for you, cares for you, cares for you. Mm -hmm. so that sort of unhealthy sexuality spirituality now let's contrast healthy there's a sense of truthfulness yeah that what comes out of my mouth is basically what's going on inside of me mm -hmm. right that there's a sense of, of openness. Uh, openness and spontaneity with regards to what's going on doesn't mean I don't make mistakes doesn't right. mean I can't say I'm sorry and all the rest of it. but I'm really honest about what there's a sense of humility around that mm -hmm. there's a sense of liberation in one's healthy spirituality and relationality where you feel empowered I mean when, Dennis when I'm with you I feel energy yeah Kevin when I'm with you I feel energy right I mean it's because like, we're being honest with one another we're we're engaging we're breathing together mm -hmm. right we're enjoying the life right and there's a sense then of we're rich one another right and so there's a, there's a good sense of, of truthfulness, of enrichment, of energy. And then also I think what it does is it goes out beyond ourselves. That we're sitting here, hopefully people are listening because we want to share this. Right. Mm -hmm. that, that it isn't just also a hoarding. That, that it's not about greed. 
It's about expanding and, and connecting, right? So well, you know, it's and, a nice. And nice I sit here and I and I and I, I wish for a uh, a big audience. Not from an ego's perspective, but an audience no. where everyone can share in the concepts and think in their own realms and their own level about how this fits with them, because I think there's so much here that can work. But I want to go back to something you said about an unhealthy perspective. Are there individuals out there, John, because they don't have the, they don't have the I would say, and I'm going to say it's, it's a privilege, because it is a privilege to work with you, the privilege of hearing how you formulate this, that sometimes what they do to get what they need, they don't know is unhealthy. Right. Mm -hmm. They don't know that they're harming somebody. Right. And they do what they think they need to do because that's what they know. I mean, you know, I always, uh, uh, at my LCC class, I probably had 5,000 students, and I always had them write the first week, you know, that who am I sexually paper. It was an anonymous paper. And in there, 90% of the people, when they were very religious, would start out, I'm Catholic, or I'm Lutheran, and they would, they would always paraphrase why they're about to tell me what they do, even though it's anonymous. Right. And then there was all this damage that they, they would talk about that was done to them, because they didn't know anything. There was no education. Mm -hmm. There was nothing. Mm -hmm. So the damage they've done to themselves or others wasn't done because they wanted to damage somebody right. or they just wanted to know. be damaged. They just didn't know. Yeah. There was no knowledge there. Right. Yeah. So, so when we say unhealthy, because, you know, being an HIV counselor now for 20 years and seeing the number of people come in and talk about their relationships, because you know how it is when somebody feels they can trust you and they're in there and that's type of dynamic. And you hear these stories coming out of people going, you know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what there was. I didn't know what we all was even doing. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know why I was even having sex. I just felt a longing for something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're so, filling a need and yeah. just reciprocating. Some of that is, I think it perpetuates. And one of maybe the first steps to healthy sexuality and spirituality, in my mind, last time we talked a lot about communication, and this is related in that being open to um, even open to that education because if the door's shut on new ideas and like you said, John, we come in and we, we're authentic and excited about talking about this and expanding and not egocentric in that this is all about our, our own opinion but that we're learning from one another in this discussion. So I think that initial step to have that healthy spirituality and sexuality is that communication and openness. Mm -hmm. That has to be the, the very first point before you even go any anywhere well, further. Get, like you said, you feel so comfortable talking in an environment like this. I think right. it's a lot about choosing the right environment to discuss this and right. and finding those non judgmental groups or oh, yeah. or family members or, or, right. or brothers, siblings, whatever. Right. Friends, just to whatever. talk about it so that you know whatever comes out of your mouth, regardless of how crazy it is and how uneducated it might sound, like that you'll be in a comforted environment mm -hmm. where okay, hey bud, you might be wrong about this, but here. Let me try to talk to you from my perspective. Sure. Instead of being like, no, I don't want to talk about it. I, nope, dirty word. Nope, you just said masturbation. Right. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. And I know that they're growing up in a Catholic household. Um, I can't even remember if I had a sex talk with my family. Mm -hmm. Not that it was a bad thing or I was repressed or, or I repressed much or I had a, a bad childhood. It just wasn't talked it about. It just wasn't talked about. I mean, uh, I, knew what my, I knew what my older brother was doing. Like, mm -hmm. I, I wasn't dumb. I was, I was very perceptive as a child, and so I knew that things were going on. He had his girlfriends. And, sure. And, uh, and just, but it was just never spoken about. Right. There was this, this, not that my parents made me feel guilty, but there was a guilt because they sent me to a Catholic school and, and, and being almost 
ingrained in my brain that oh that's not gonna we can't talk about that uh came came full circle when i had dilemmas trying to figure out well who am i sexually who am i mm-hmm. um, who do i talk to about yeah, that and, and it where can i go about. to talk to about right. that because right. i i wasn't going to go to my priest and, and confess right. to him that i had right. this problem i made sure. up examples of why i needed to uh say my penance i was like oh i fought with my brother and sister mm-hmm. i avoided what i should have been talking about with somebody mm-hmm. at the time which was sure. i'm having these feelings i can't keep them bottled down anymore mm-hmm. what can i do and instead, I just, you know, I thought I was going around the system and saying, oh, give me my penance, and uh, I fought with my brother and my sister, and that's that. And then I still had my problems when I left that, 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 uh, con- or what do you call it? Oh, my goodness, I've been out of the room. Confessional, thank <laughs> you. Wow. Hey, there's, there's a book, I mean, the, uh, confessional stories. Yeah. Um, because yeah. I, you know, I once, I once told my, asked my priest to what I, uh, Playtex bra was, and I had to do six Our Fathers and five Hail Marys. Wow! Uh, but John, let me ask you this: This is the blasphemous question. Can a very spiritual person be a very sexual person? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this image that we make of our sort of saints as being some sort of asexual, I think, is a is a huge mistake. Yeah. And, and I think it's again our fear of 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 really dealing with something that's very hard to talk about and, and, and discuss openly. Uh, so, I mean, with this whole, you know, I was trying to empathize with the person who says, I just didn't know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or I don't know. And right. the fact that we grew up in environments where uh, we don't have those spaces. My, my parents never had the sex talk with me. My mom with the mother was a nurse. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm going into psychology, and, I, you know, this dean in this college, and the psychologist who was, who was a friend of mine, I mean, that's where those talks occurred. Mm-hmm. And so as a parent... Right, it it took a lot of energy and guts to have those conversations with my kids, mm-hmm. right? And I needed guidance because I didn't have it. So I fully recognize that these these are tough things to talk about because we've we've sort of had generations of people who sort of silence it, mm-hmm. who don't talk about it. So so it does take time. It takes energy. But here's something. I'll here a plug for the counseling center. Right, we don't have many spaces in this society where we feel safe. Right. Mm-hmm. Right where we can have honest conversations about what's really going on in our lives, mm-hmm. our feelings and our thoughts. And, and so we've created this profession called psychology, right, and uh, clinical therapy, right, where confidentiality is part of the law, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. If you come talk to me in the counseling center, I can't tell anybody anything about what we talk about unless you're going to hurt yourself or someone else mm-hmm. right. or any sort of a, abuse might be involved. And so mm-hmm. there's limits, but, you know, that is a really phenomenal, I mean, I like, we're secular priests. What used to happen in the confessionals yeah. now happens in the offices of psychology, mm-hmm. right? where people are just being honest about what's going on. Well, and I think the other thing that you, you do, and I think this program does, and I've been an advocate of sex exposure for years, it also gives you permission. That's Not right. only gives you safety, that's it right. gives you a place to talk, but it gives you that permission. Oh, that's because critical, too. You know you need that. I mean, that's when right. it comes to these types of conversations, when Everyone you can provide a safe, conducive yeah. environment for any individual, any age, right. to talk about this, yeah. it will flow. Mm-hmm. It will flow and it will be very rich. Yeah. But right. we don't always do that. Right. I mean, we just It's don't. a shame to me that it has to be paid for, that that's, that's where right. we've come. No, we're free at the council center. Oh, yes. <laughs> but you're right. Not that the business isn't excellent and not that it's yeah. not helping a lot of people. And right. I advocate for psychology and right. seeing therapists oh, if right. necessary. But, yeah, why is right. that the only place? I know. Can I throw out a term? This just rubs me the wrong way, and I'm so curious what you guys think about it. But I hear this all the time. Um, hate the sin, love the sinner. Uh-huh. And it drives me <laughs> up the wall, you know? Like, 
I just, I, I feel that that is, I know, it, I think it's meant well. Yes, <laughs> I hope it's intention. meant well. There's good intentions. That's right. However, I think that that does a lot of harm to people it's because kind of, it's kind of productive. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Counterproductive just drives me nuts. Well, it's, well, Eric, actually, thank you so much for staying on the line with us. And oh, uh, Eric's still there. Oh, no, Eric's oh, not. Oh, Eric's oh, not. Oh, Eric's like not very long. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I apologize, but go on. Oh, no, no, that was it. I was just curious what you guys thought about that, because it just drives me nuts. And I, it, like I said, I think it's well-intended, but I think that that shuts the door for communication, because instantly then you're saying I'm judging your That's activity right. by calling it a sin. That's right. Whether it is or not, I don't know that any person has that right to say that and then instantly you shut off that ability to open up your spirituality in that conversation yeah. to provide a safe space for people right. to communicate. It's like, you can come talk to me, but only about certain things. Yeah, yeah again, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, psychologically, what's usually beneath judgment is a sense of inadequacy. Mm. Right? Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, so the people who are playing, I'm better than you, or making judgments about what is wrong and what is right, haven't even acknowledged their own quote-unquote, sinfulness. Sure. Right? So that, that kind of egotistical, I'm better than you, let me judge everybody else, that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It, on the surface, looks like, oh, you're healthy. But as a psychologist, behind the closed doors, it's usually not very healthy at all. It's mm-hmm. usually very insecure. It, there's all kinds of addictions, whether it's to food or to sex or pornography or something like that, you know, just because there's this, this, this deep sense of I'm not who I really am. Mm-hmm. And how you manage that, right, it leads to, I think, all that unhealthy spirituality and all that un- unhealthy uh, sexuality. Yeah. Well. yeah. You mentioned something, too, that I'd like to touch on. Um, John, you were talking about how spirituality, or sexuality, rather, is much larger than just the act of sex, the, right. you know, any kind of act of sex. It's much broader than that, and that's when, when you are, when you do have a healthy spirituality and sexuality, they overlap. I had, um, I have been having this really interesting conversation with a gentleman who participated in a forum and then contacted me privately on the website. Mm. He has a form of lymphogranuloma venereum, and long story short, mm. um, it's in his lymph nodes. So he is not participating in sexual activities. Mm. However, he has been dating and has had a very rich relationship with a woman mm-hmm. and was describing to me mm-hmm. how he has redefined mm-hmm. his sexuality in terms of yep. that it doesn't have to just be that activity, that he can have That's this right. really rich one-to-one relationship. Yep. Um, and they touch and things, but they don't go, he's worried about the risk of her contracting it, oh, so sure. they don't go all that way. Yep. Um, but he is, it's really been fascinating oh, to, so to hear that, and yeah. I'm happy, and I've been encouraging that and saying, I think you're on the right track because oh, yeah. it is much broader. Right, that yeah. connection with someone can be so rewarding outside of just the yeah. orgasm of right. just, you know, and people, and even, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. People are so, um, I saw another article today, which made me think of this. I was so excited to talk about this in general, but um, people are very focused on the female orgasm. Mm-hmm. I was hearing, they were writing about this and talking about will you know the male orgasm because it's more easily achieved it seems 
And I think the shame in which that, I mean, yes, all females would like to achieve an orgasm too, to experience it. It's exciting and fun. However, it oftentimes doesn't happen with just direct sexual activities. But I still think, I've even told boyfriends, I'm still enjoying this. I'm Mm -hmm. still loving this. Because I'm experiencing that full sexuality, that that spirituality together, that oneness. So I don't necessarily need to have that orgasm. And I've heard that from other women as well. And I think that gets overlooked because people are focusing on that just that orgasm. Right. So performance only. Yeah. Performance only mode. Yeah. Like where they... They'll have, like, say, sex every Wednesday or just have it very routine. Right. And I always go back to the uh, missionary position, which has <laughs> no clitoral stimulation whatsoever. And that's one of the most... Well, you had to get that in there. I had to. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it fascinates me that one of the, one of the, the widely used uh, yeah. sex positions is the, is the missionary man. position. Yeah. And it doesn't have any clitoral stimulation, which gets me to think that people... They think that that maybe the male orgasm is so easily achieved and mm-hmm. that's all it takes, um, that they don't need to explore any further than that. And like it kind of goes into the other thing that do people get into this this rut because they aren't they're suppressing whatever other options because of guilt or mm-hmm. because of, and you had made a point. Um, I kind of think about what my dad always says. It, it was in regards to drinking alcohol, and he was just like, oh, I don't need a drink. I get high off life. And yeah. He gets high off the interactions with people, yeah. the conversation, yeah. the stimulation of his brain, and, sure. and how that's not always tapped into when it comes to sex. Well, that's, like, that's, yeah. that's why I actually try many times on the program or when we do conversations like this, not to even talk about the physical orgasm, mm-hmm. yes. but it's about the connection because I learned very early in back in the late 70s and 80s when I was doing the uh, the uh, seminars with the Coles down at U of M with uh, spinal injured uh, individuals who couldn't get erections or couldn't feel orgasms where they'd achieve holistic and more spiritual orgasm. It's all about this connection. We all want connection. I mean, we have this, this false culture where we talk about when kids are young, they're all connected. And then we, we work so hard on people being individualistic individualist mm-hmm. and really that's not what we're meant to be as individuals mm-hmm. we're all supposed to be connected mm-hmm. and then it's not till we get to later in life where we start to realize we really all need to be connected we, we all need to back. be stuff mm-hmm. so we want that back but but it's just it's this yearning mm-hmm. it's this yearning for connecting with somebody you know and how do we how do we re-educate? How do we have people re-experience? Or as we would say, John, remember? Because the, right. co- the definition That's of right. remember is coming together back. Putting your members together again. Mm-hmm. Putting them back together. How do we get people to, you know, I keep thinking of these 5,000 students who say the religion has really kind of dictated, as Eric said, right. their beliefs, their values, how they live life, how they experience life, how they project life. How do we remember people? Not even religion, but I would say, and not to get too political, but politics started to dictate. Oh, you had to add politics. I had to. Because <laughs> you were the one who well, let's do hot topics and what's fresh and, and how our politics are dictating, yes, uh, marriage equality and who, who has the right to have that, but even women's bodies. And, yeah. and, their, and, and I think that, one, I think that needs to go is, is, is government control over one's particular body. Um, because that is that is alone shutting down people's explorative as we, ways as of we life all know and, culture change takes decades mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of, but we can plant a seed in an individual yeah. to remember mm-hmm. and I think even people listening to this can say wait wait a minute you know wait a minute 
Wait a minute. Now, I do have the show needing to be connected. So, I mean, John, uh, your time yeah, is... I think your time, <laughs> this is a great uh, segue, segue into this do in remembrance of me, right? When I grew up in this Protestant church, there was this communion table, and on the front of the table it said, this do in remembrance of me. And it was all framed about remembering something that happened in the past. Mm-hmm. But the, the word, like you say, is to put yourselves back together again yes. mm-hmm. so that the original intent of that very rich sacrament right, was that people would come back together again mm-hmm. to know that they were loved. Mm-hmm. And then it's a very sexual act. Right? Well, what are we doing? We're going to eat the body of Jesus and drink the blood of Jesus. Oh, yeah, I knew you were going there. Yeah, you knew you were going Because what is it doing, right? It's really saying, he's becoming a part of me as I eat him. Yes. I right. mean, the Catholics believe it actually happens, yep. right? At this point in the throat, it actually transubstantiates, right? Time, yeah. So, mm-hmm. So that, I mean, that talk about physicality, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Now, when we separate that out, we just make it a symbol. But when you really see this sort of implication of saying, this is my body, this is my blood, you know, I'm a part of you. You're a part of me. And, and when you think about what that, you know, the sacrament, those of you who understand those things within Christendom, right? Mm-hmm. It was to restore community. Mm-hmm. So that if you broken apart and you did things to each other, what was happening at communion is you were supposed to say, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Or I blew it. And you're right. I took it, you know, that that was supposed to happen before you did any of that sacrament. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and if you did not do that, then the Apostle Paul said, be warned, then you're really headed for a dysfunctional community mm-hmm. and a dysfunctional right. life. That if you, for, if you just do the sacrament and forget about what the sacrament is trying Means. to teach you, which is to remember yourselves, right. mm-hmm. to put yourselves back together again, to restore your relationships, to reconcile with one another, to confess your wrongdoings, and to forgive one another. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the intent of it. Right. But, you know, we just talk about it now. I mean, one of the most dangerous places you can go, to be honest... You know, mm-hmm. is a church, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That's so sad. Oh, yes. It is. It's, it's, it's so it's sad. sad. It's too bad. Yeah, but I'm glad there are churches that are turning this around. Yeah, there are. Places. There are. I hate to, you know, I don't want to make religion the bad guy, yeah, and I want to make sure that we right. point that out. That that's not at all. I don't think how anyone feels here, right. you know, for sure. No, but, but, if you, but if you do, if you truly do strip off the dogma, right, history of religion, you see at its essence, mm-hmm. it was meant to remember Some great us. wisdom. It was meant to bring okay. us. Now, I always said, you know, this is blasphemous in some ways, is, is we should change these words around so they give them different meaning. Because communion is actually another word for intercourse. That's it is right. bringing back together. It is uh-huh. uniting. Yeah. So if we call it communion... Yeah. Well, I won't have a job tomorrow, probably. <laughs> and it's in yeah. But, you know, we talk about these different words and the power they have and the meaning they have, but most people think of communion and think of, you know, but communion is bringing together two in, in a meaningful way. And, you know, some of the best stories I've ever heard about meaningful intercourse is when two people brought together by, you know, with some love and some connection and some intimacy defined in a way that's not sexual. Mm-hmm. The intimacy brought together, that's the same definition I hear from people who go to get communion. Right. I feel part of something. I feel like I, it really gives me meaning. And right. stuff. So, you know. It's I know we're running short oh, on time great. here. Oh, we've uh, got about uh, two two minutes left. So, kind of going off of uh, off of what I read earlier, it was um, it was a good question that kind of stimulates something in my brain. Um, is there room for the occasional quickie in spiritual sex? <laughs> <laughs> like, can you be whole? <laughs> we, we, we got two minutes. I know, Kevin. 
It's rapid session. Oh, okay, rapid yeah, session. It's, it's, quick, it's, it's the quickies. The quickies with Kevin. This is the quickies with Kevin question live. for today. We're live. Yeah. Instead of going out there to the students. Well, I, think. I mean, I'd like to have another two hours to talk about this whole uh, uh, hookup culture because I think yes. the hookup culture mm-hmm. is so That's hooked right. up with trying to find oneness and trying to find wholeness and trying to find that quickie connection with somebody else and and it it, it, the adrenaline rush and because it's not as holistic as it should be because it happens so quick and they're not actually getting what they were seeking i think that's why people keep doing it hoping to find that finally so people are hooking up more frequently and taking more risks because they're 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 not Mm -hmm. whole yeah and they're just doing the sexual act they're not diving into that emotional relational spiritual part of it in which it's the hard part and that's why people probably these days aren't diving into those relationships because they're just doing the act and that's all they i mean they get the pleasure from the act Mm -hmm. but they don't know what's beyond that and it's it takes investment and time yeah my answer is yes it's possible but it all depends on who you are and who is with exactly And if you guys, but that's what was my point. I think it was if you guys are all in it to win it at that moment, then yes, it's it can be just as spiritual in that quickie moment. If you're married for thirty years, I, I would hope to think that my significant other and I yeah. are able to. If we're in it in that moment and we're feeling it, yeah, yeah it's going to be worth it. And yeah, it's going to be us, us two spiritually. So John, if somebody or Janelle or if somebody wants to talk more about this, because we're running short on time here, if they wanted to explore this even further. Can you come to the counseling center? Oh, sure. Can they come and talk to you? Can they go to your website? Oh, absolutely. Can come to Olin Health Center and yes, talk they to can. folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so if you do, if we've sparked an interest or you've sparked an interest by listening to the conversation, uh, seek us out. We're out there. We're here to help you. We're here to get connected. We will help you remember <laughs> <laughs> to connect. Yeah. And if you come to talk to me in the counseling center, you don't have to be. You don't have to sign up to be a client. You can just simply present and say, I'd like to have a consult with Dr. Lee. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. And the front desk is used to that. Well, thank you guys so much for this, well, uh, this great conversation tonight on uh, spirituality and sexuality. Sex Exposure is the second Tuesday of every month this week. It was the third because of elections. Uh, but we will be back in December. Uh, who knows what we'll talk about next week, next time. <laughs> December, is it the fourth? Is uh, it on a weird date next month, too? I can't remember the date as of right now. I believe it might be on the sixth. Okay. Okay. First week. First week. Yeah. That's what I meant. Anyway, um, cool. that was Impact Sex Pleasure. Thank Thanks you so much. Us. Thanks, guys. Thank you. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Exposure.